Happy Sabbath, brothers and sisters. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Power Hour. And if this is your first time here at JCC, we welcome you. And we are happy that you're right here with us. And I believe that God is going to, to bless you. Once again, I want to welcome you to another installation in our series called Live From Victory. I got a message last Sabbath from a, a listener and they said to me, Pastor, thank you for the message today. It really encouraged me. And I was actually encouraged myself because it, it helped me to know that the Word of God is doing something in the life of somebody. And that's why I do what I do, because I believe that the Word of God does something in somebody's life. Because God's Word always creates something. God's Word always changes something. God's Word always converts something. And if you get God's Word into your system, I want you to know that it is going to do something for you and your life. And it's going to revolutionize your situation. And so last week, uh, God impressed me to uh, help you to see that only God deserves worship, that your kisses, your devotion belongs to God. And what I want to do now is to help you to see what God does for you when you dedicate everything to Him, when you give God your highest devotion, when you give God your highest commitment, when you give God your highest talents and, and treasure, when you give God everything, God steps in for you and He does something amazing on your behalf. So if you got the Word of God, turn with me to Revelation 19, and we're looking at verse 11. And I want to read a much longer section of Scripture today than I did last week. And I want to pick it up in verse 11 and take us all the way down to verse number 21. And this morning I've chosen my preaching translation, which is the ESV. And it begins in verse 11 like this. Then I saw heaven opened and behold. This is the Bible's way of saying, take notice of this. A white horse, the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems, and he has a name writ written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Verse 17, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God. To eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Everybody is involved. Verse 19, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse 
and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who, who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that comes from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. The Lord inspired me to tell you, he sits on a horse. He sits on a horse. Let us pray. Uh, Father God, we know that the, glass, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains the same. And we also know, Lord, according to Isaiah 55, that the word goes out and it accomplishes what you wanted to accomplish. Father, you have a purpose for this word today. You have a purpose for somebody's life today. And I pray that this preaching experience may bring somebody closer to the foot of the cross. This I pray, trusting and believing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Unsettled, unsettled, unsettled. That's what happens when you shake a bottle of juice. That's what happens when you hear devastating news. That's what happens when you keep checking your phone for that text message. Did you get unsettled this week? I know you did. You see, I have learned in life that sometimes all it takes is for you to see something familiar. All it takes for you is to see something that you know to settle you. When you realize that something is shaking you up, all it takes is something that you know to get you to calm down, to get you to be settled. Sometimes all it takes is a text message from someone you love to settle you. Sometimes all it takes is for a police officer to be in your vicinity to settle you. Sometimes all it takes is for you to see a restaurant that you like to settle you. Sometimes all it takes is for you to go to the person who you trust to give you that advice for you to be settled. Sometimes it takes a smile to settle you. Sometimes it takes a note on the refrigerator to settle you. In our passage, John is isolated. John is alone. John is in a distant place. He is unsettled. And I wonder if somebody today is unsettled. Something has unsettled you. A situation has made you to be in a state of unhemiostatus. Uh, you are at a, at a disequilibrium. You are at a place where you are shaken. You are on uneven ground. John was in a situation like that. He was unsettled. And so John sees an image. He sees open split. He sees heaven split open. And he sees there somebody seated on a horse. Somebody seated on a white stallion. Somebody is there ready for battle. And this image that John sees settles him because it was an image of comfort. What John sees is Jesus because in the text he's called faithful and true. And in righteousness he makes war 
and judges. John sees an image of Jesus. And may I submit to you that when you feel unsettled, you need to see Jesus. Can you say amen for that? Because that's an amen moment right there. When you feel uneven, when you feel shaken, when you feel unsettled, when you feel like you are not at a place of homeostasis, when you feel at disequilibrium, what you need to do is to see Jesus. And you need to see Jesus in any form. The form in which you see Jesus doesn't matter. For some of you, a carpenter Jesus is good enough. Hallelujah, somebody. For some of you, a healing Jesus is good enough. For some of you, a teaching Jesus is good enough. For some of you, a preaching Jesus is good enough. Whatever form you need to see Jesus in does not really matter, but you need to see Jesus in some form. And I want to suggest to you and submit to you and propose to you that when you see Jesus, it is going to settle you. Can you say amen right there? Can you raise a hallelujah right there? Because an image of Jesus will help you to calm down. It doesn't matter the form. You don't need a psychologist right now. You don't need a doctor right now. You don't need a, a preacher right now. You don't need a financial advisor right now. You don't need an advisor right now. You don't need a counselor right now. What you need is Jesus, an image of Jesus, some form of Jesus. And I want to submit to you that when you see Jesus, it will settle you. Some of you are trying to, to see a psychologist. Some of you are trying to see the psychologist for change. Uh, you're trying to talk to that advisor for a conversation. Uh, but I'm here to let you know that that will not settle you. It may calm you down for a moment. You may be cool for a moment. But if you want a lifetime of being settled, you need to look at Jesus. You see, a relative may have diminished you may have put you down. But I want you to understand that Jesus sees you. You might have gone to the bank and asked for the loan and the bank would have told you, we look at your credit and we think it is not good for us to give you credit. But I want you to understand that Jesus is not interested in your credit score. Jesus is not interested in your credit limit. Jesus sees you and he is willing to give you that credit today. Hallelujah, somebody. You might feel like you are not getting anywhere in your company. You might feel like you will never be promoted. You might feel like they don't see your qualification. They don't see your, your contribution. But if you're in company with Jesus, he sees that you can be somebody. And if you cooperate with him today, he's going to promote you. Because in his eyes, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. In his eyes, you are one of one. In his eyes, you are special. I don't know if I'm talking to somebody this morning. And I'm glad that Jesus is seen as seated on a horse by John. And I'm glad today that Jesus is seen as faithful and true. 
I'm glad today that Jesus is seen as somebody who behaves in righteousness. I'm glad that Jesus is seen as somebody who makes war in righteousness. John is wanting us to see, uh, brother and sister, I was isolated. I was far away from my church, but I saw Jesus seated on a horse. And what I saw is that Jesus is faithful. I saw Jesus as true. And I saw Jesus does everything in righteousness. He makes war in righteousness. He judges in righteousness. And I'm glad that John saw this image of Jesus. John was comforted to know that Jesus does not rush to conclusions. I'm glad that John was comforted to know that Jesus knows this story. And I know that some of us have been judged in a wrong way. People have concluded about us without knowing the full story. But Jesus knows the full story. Jesus understands your upbringing. Jesus understands how it really, really went down. Jesus understands that it was not really your fault, but you were taking responsibility for that. And so when we see Jesus, somebody who is faithful and true, and in righteousness, he does everything. We need to be comforted this morning because he's going to judge your situation properly. He's not going to criticize you unnecessarily. He's not going to critique you in a wrong way. He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to try to convert you or change you before fully understanding your situation. And I'm glad this morning that John is seeing Jesus seated on a horse, ready to ride out for him. But yet he sees him as faithful and true. You see the image of Jesus and faithful and true should comfort us this morning. You see, faithfulness is not the same thing as truthfulness. You see, faithfulness talks about loyalty. Somebody who is going to be your ride or die. Somebody who is not going to back away when the situation is rough or tough. Uh, truthfulness talks about somebody who is able to see reality as reality really is. He's able to judge the situation correctly. And Jesus has that capability this morning. And that no matter what you go through, He's going to be loyal. That no matter what comes away, comes to you, he's going to be loyal. And he's going to be true to you. And he's going to handle your situation correctly. And I'm glad about that this morning. That even though people may look at me, even though a situation may judge me, and people may make conclusions, but I can go to Jesus, and he will listen to my story. And he will properly assess, and he'll properly evaluate my situation, and tell me exactly what it is and how it should be. The image of Jesus sitting on a horse is an image that is to tell John, John, don't hassle it, I'll handle it. And somebody then needs to know that Jesus is going to handle it, don't hassle about it. Some of us, we hassle about everything. When we've been turned down, we hassle about it. When somebody has told us no, we hassle about it. But I want you to understand that in your moments and in your seasons, and even if you have a reason to hassle about it, you need to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, you can handle my situation. And if you are unsettled today, I want you to know that Jesus is seated on a horse and he is ready to handle your situation. Is it that Jesus 
sits on a horse? Is it doubt? Jesus sits on a horse. Is it marriage? Jesus sits on a horse. Is it money? Jesus sits on a horse. Is it Omicron? Jesus sits on a horse. Is it a public I am that is to come on December 23 until June 6? Jesus sits on a horse. Will you have to shut down again? Jesus sits on a horse. Will you have to go at 50% operation? Jesus sits on a horse. Do you not know when to open again? Jesus sits on a horse. Is it a difficult relationship? Jesus is on a horse. Is it a difficult conversation? Jesus is on a horse. Is it a difficult situation? Jesus is on a horse. Whatever is happening in your life, Jesus sits on a horse. Hallelujah, somebody. I'll let that set settle for you. I'll let that sit for a moment for you. Jesus is sitting on a horse. You see, when Jesus sits on a horse, it means that he's ready for battle. Look at verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he makes a war and he judges. In ancient times, when a king sat on a horse, it meant that he was ready for battle. In fact, to be a king, it meant that you were willing to fight. On behalf of your subjects. A king who didn't fight <laughs> was not a good king. And there are some kings today, want to be kings today, but they're not willing to take responsibility. Some want to be kings in the bedroom, but they're not willing to be kings with the bills. Some of us want to be kings on the social media, but we cannot be kings in a face-to-face -face conversation. Uh, millennials, Generation Z, so good on, on, on Instagram, but cannot carry on a conversation in real life. Some of us want to be kings in, 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 in leading when things are good. But when things are bad, we're not willing to take responsibility. But I'm glad that Jesus as a king, he sits on a horse. And I want somebody to understand, if you make Jesus king over your life, He's going to take responsibility over your life. He's going to take responsibility over your marriage. He's going to take responsibility over your job. He's going to take responsibility over your health. He's going to take responsibility over your money. He's going to take responsibility over your plans and your future. If you allow Jesus to sit as, as, as king, he's not a re, an irresponsible king. He's not going to back away or bounce out of your life when things are difficult. He's ready to stand up. He's ready, he's ready to rise up. If Jesus is king over your life, you can go back to him and say, Lord, I've been giving you my 10%. How come I'm not blessed? You can go back to him and say, Lord, you said you provide for all my needs according to your riches and glory. You said, Lord, that when I'm tempted, you're going to make a way of escape that I can be able to handle my situation. Lord, you said that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you're going to be with me and that your rod and your staff are going to comfort me. Lord, you said that if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. Lord, you said when Jesus is king over your life, he takes responsibility. And I hope that you can uh, pick up what I'm picking. You can pick up what I'm laying down this morning. That Jesus is ready to do battle in your life. And some of us are waging wars in our lives. Some of us are waging battles in our lives. Some of us are making judgments in our life. But I have news for you today. You cannot battle the right way. Because the Bible says, Jesus in righteousness, he wages war and he makes judgments. 
Some of our judgments are not in righteousness because the truth is you and I do not have inbuilt. We do not have a default setting of righteousness. Our default setting is unrighteousness. We are quick to misjudge. We are quick to mishandle. We are quick to misunderstand. We are quick to get angry. We are quick to not see a situation correctly. But Jesus has default righteousness. He has default goodness. And therefore, when a situation is in front of him, he does it the right way. You and I don't have that capability. And I'm glad that Jesus in righteousness is able to judge and is able to make war. And if you trust Jesus to be the one who will fight on your, on, on your behalf, then I want you to understand that the battles in your life are going to be won the right way, are going to be handled the right way. And you and I don't need to fight battles in our own strength. In our own power, in our own capability, somebody here is trying to get a job and you're applying to this place and to that place and to this company and to that hospital, but it ain't happening. Maybe it's time for you to try Jesus. Mm -hmm. Some of you are trying to get your kids right. You're trying to get them to exercise. You're trying to get them to apply themselves in their studies. And you've tried everything. You've applied for, uh, you've, 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 you've hired tutors to come. You've tried to send them to this school and to that school. You've tried to provide every opportunity, but it ain't happening. Perhaps it's time to try Jesus so that he can fight the battles for you. <laughs> Some of you are battling uh, uh, that, 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 that's smoking. Uh, you're battering, you're battling those, uh, those cigarettes and you have tried everything. You have tried the gum and you have said, you know what? I'm not going to smoke. I'm going to try vaping. Perhaps it's time to try Jesus today. I can never get my temper under control. Perhaps it's trying, it's time to get Jesus uh, to fight the battle today. I can never get my weight right. Perhaps it's time to try Jesus. And I want you to understand that when Jesus is sitting on a horse and the image that John saw is that Jesus is ready for battle. He's ready to do battle. He's ready to sort things out. There's something else I need you to see. When, 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 when Jesus is seated on a horse, it means that he wants us to pay attention to his conquering ability. And, 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 and John uh, sees Jesus in the context of verse 12, uh, verse 11 to verse 16. He sees the conquering ability of Jesus. And you need to know that Jesus has conquering power. <laughs> you need to understand that the way Jesus conquers is not the way you conquer. When the United States wants to conquer another nation, what do they do? They send a military. They send Navy SEALs, they send F-16s, and they send submarines. You understand what I'm saying? When some of us want to conquer, all we do is raise up and show a person that we have power and we have the ability to put them in their place. You understand what I'm saying? When some of us want to conquer, all we do is throw money at the situation. But I want you to understand that Jesus' conquering ability is on another level. The way Jesus comes to the fight, the way Jesus does battle is on another level. And if you and I can appreciate the way Jesus does battle, then you and I can start living from victory and start being overcomers and people who clear obstacles, people who are able to ride through the valleys. If you and I can pay attention to the conquering ability of Jesus. You see, Jesus does not conquer the way we want him to conquer. 
You see, the disciples, they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, are you going to not dethrone the Romans and, and be king? Are, are you not going to take over? Jesus says, no, no, no. I didn't come for that kind of project. Somebody was talking to me the other day. Lord, uh, pastor, uh, explain to me. Why can't God work in such a way that every person on earth becomes a believer? I want you to understand that Jesus can't do that because he has that power because he created everything. But, but Jesus does not conquer like that. Jesus conquers in a different way. You see, there are a couple of things that John ropes us in to help us to understand how Jesus conquers. And it has to do with the names and the titles that he presents about Jesus. My name, Henry, <laughs> means nothing. Your name means nothing. But the names and the titles of Jesus, they mean everything. And John helps us to see at least three names and titles of Jesus. He, he says Jesus is faithful and true. He calls Jesus the word of God. And then he says that there's a name of Jesus written on his garment or robe and on his thigh. And that name is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. You see, in the name faithful and true, Jesus has ability to conquer because when situations get hard in our lives, people tend to back away. Mm -hmm. People turn, tend to bounce out of our lives. Uh, people tend to behave differently uh, with us. And some of us are at that place where people have bounced out of our lives. Sisters, a brother that you thought was going to take you all the way, he bounced out of your life. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Brothers, that sister who you thought you could tag her as your wife, she bounced out of your life. Some people that you thought could be your friends are no longer your friends because you're no longer at that status that they think you should be. Uh, your bank account is no longer the same. And some of you, people have bounced out of your life because you chose the God thing. Some of you people have bounced out of your life because you start to say, you know what? I'm no longer going to talk that way. I'm no longer going to live this way. I I'm going to live in a different way. So some people have decided to say, you know what? You are no longer a part of this group. You're no longer a part of this crowd. But I'm glad that when things get tough, when things get rough, Jesus doesn't bounce out of your life. Jesus stays faithful and true. Hallelujah, somebody. Jesus does not take a step back. Jesus does not bounce back. Jesus does not behave differently. Jesus is consistent. He is persistent. He is insistent. He is saying, people may have left you. People may have backed away of your life, but I ain't going nowhere. And I need somebody here to understand that whenever things seems to fail, when people have turned their backs on you, when you see your family members no longer texting you, when nobody's calling you up, when the pastor doesn't even want to call you and pray with you, when you feel like you have no support, I'm here to let you know that Jesus is faithful and true and he's not going to back away. And in your 
hardest days when you feel alone understand that Jesus is there with you and you know how Jesus conquers with that he conquers with that because he lets you know you and I that he's never gonna leave you nor forsake you and I'm glad that Jesus has never forsaken me and I'm glad that Jesus is always true and loyal to me and I'm glad that Jesus is there with me every step of the way and I need somebody to know today that Jesus is the same today he doesn't stay loyal faithful to you because of what you have because of what you do because of what you are no he stays faithful and loyal to you because he loves you so jesus is able to conquer because he's faithful and true but also jesus is able to conquer because he's called the word of god notice in verse 15 the text says from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. You see, Jesus does not send F-15s when he wants to conquer. Jesus don't send guns when he wants to conquer. Jesus does not send a lawyer when he wants to conquer. Jesus doesn't send a mediator when he wants to conquer. Mm. Jesus sends the word of God, because he is the word of God. You see, the, the, the word of God has power. The Bible says, and he spoke and it stood. Jesus could simply tell the person, rise up, take up your mat and walk. And the person walked because his very word has power. It has strength. So the, the way Jesus conquers, uh, the way Jesus goes about fighting, he doesn't fight with, with fists. You know, some of us are ready to fight with fists. You know what I mean? Uppercuts and jabs. Nah, Jesus used his word. This moment that I'm delivering the word of God to you is Jesus fighting. His word is at work. His word is at war. And Jesus is fighting some of us right now because some of us don't feel like God loves us. And so Jesus is saying, let me let you know I love you. Let me let you know that I'm faithful to you and I'll be true to you. Some of us have pride and so Jesus has to bring his word and, and fight that pride. Jesus is not going to bring about a revolution in this world. He's not going to bring an army in this world to change hearts and minds. Jesus will send his word and right now, God is fighting with you in a particular situation. Some of you feel like, oh, well, the plan didn't work out, so I'm not going to do anything else. Jesus is saying, no, I have 110 ways on which to provide for you. Your future is bright. Can I take care of you? It's, it's through his word that Jesus is able to fight. Some of you want habits to be changed. I want you to understand that you have to come in contact with the word of God. Lord, I want you to be more faithful. I want to be more faithful. Uh, the way the Lord makes you more faithful is that it brings you into his word. Uh, so Jesus' fighting abilities is very interesting. He, he, he doesn't use arms. He, he, he doesn't use guns. He uses his very words to conquer. And the word of God has done much to conquer more than anything. And if we want people to, to be changed and to be transformed, they don't need skits. 
They don't need to watch movies. They don't need it to be exciting. They need the Word of God. And right here at JCC and Facts of Life Ministry, we believe that the power is in the Word. And that's why we call this segment the Power Hour. Because we believe that the Word of God has power. It has strength. It has changing ability. And so Jesus uh, puts the muscle, puts the strength of His capability behind His Word. He does it through his word. So John says, Jesus conquers because he's faithful and true. Uh, Jesus conquers because he is the word of God. But Jesus also conquers because he is, watch this, because he is king of kings and lord of lords. Jesus is supervisor of supervisor. Jesus is manager of manager. Jesus is bridegroom of bridegrooms. Jesus is, is pastor of pastors. Jesus is in position number one. You see, I want you to understand that the fact that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings shows that he is in authority. He, he has sovereignty over the universe. And the good thing about this is, is this, that Jesus does not disrespect authority. I'm coming to somebody right now. That is why they are parents. Because he has put them in authority. That is why they are supervisors, because they have put them in authority. That is why they are pastors, because he have put them in authority. That is why they are senators. And they're Congress people. Uh, that is why they're presidents. And that is why they're kings. These have been put in authority by Jesus. He's not threatened by authority. He's not threatened by human beings exercising authority. But the good thing is this. Because he's Lord of Lords. Because he's King of Kings. He has veto power. <laughs> he has veto power. Uh, you see, when I was growing up, sometimes my mom would tell me no. <laughs> but then when I would turn to my dad, my dad could veto that decision because he had veto power. And I'm glad that Jesus Christ has a veto power. Jesus Christ, the ability to put a stamp saying approved when it has been disapproved. Jesus Christ has veto power uh, to bring you back to that employment because he can veto the situation. People may be fired and you can get hired again. I'm glad that when the doctors have told you that you have six months to live, that Jesus has veto power to say not six months. I'm giving him more than 30 years to live. And you got to be glad this morning that when the doctors told you it's a certain thing, when the lawyers told you a certain thing, when the pastors told you a certain thing, that Jesus could veto that thing because he is king of kings and lord of lords. And I want somebody to understand that the jury is not out yet on your life. People may have pronounced you as backward. People may have said you're never going to be nothing. People may have said something about your family. They may say something about your company. People may have, have evaluated you as nothing. But I'm glad that this morning that Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings and he can veto things in your life. And what you need to understand that as long as he's sitting on the horse, he has veto power. Now somebody then needs to raise a hallelujah. 
Because Jesus Christ still has a veto power. Uh, let me drop it like this. When human authority <coughs> steps outside of, 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 of permissible behavior, Jesus can exercise veto power. And that is why you should not worry. You should not worry about what people say about you. You should not, you should not worry when things haven't worked out. You should not worry when you feel sick. You should not worry because when things are outside of his permissible will, when people step outside of what he thinks is right, Jesus will veto that thing. And I want somebody here to understand that Jesus wants to veto things in your life. Are you willing to allow him to be king in your life? Are you willing to allow, to, to allow your vision to see that he's sitting as king? So when we look at Jesus as faithful and true, when we look at Jesus as the word of God and we look at Jesus as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, John is saying that's a conquering Jesus. <laughs> that is a defeating Jesus. That is a triumphing Jesus. That is an overcoming Jesus. But there is something that John doesn't tell us about Jesus, that he keeps it as a secret. And it comes out in verse number 12. Watch this. He gives us three names. But there's a name of Jesus that he doesn't give to us. Watch this. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. He has a name. Now watch this. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. So John says, I, I want you to know that he's faithful and true. I want you to know that he's the word of God. I want you to know that he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. But... There is a name that he knows that no one else knows, but he himself knows. Uh, John is saying there are things that you can know about Jesus. And then there are things that you can never know about Jesus. And his point is like this. When you feel like him being faithful and true is not good enough. When you feel like him being the word of God is not good enough. When you feel like him being Lord of Lords and King of Kings is not good enough. There is something else about him that you don't know that is good enough. There is something about him that you don't know that is powerful enough. There's something about him that you don't know that is able to cross the gulf of your bills, that is able to cross the Grand Canyon of your marital difficulties, that is able to fly high over the struggle, over your temptations. There is something that you don't know about him. And I'm glad that when I'm struck and I'm struggling, when I'm stuck, and stagnant when my life ain't moving nowhere. Jesus has a way to make me move. Jesus has a way to bring me to a higher place. And somebody here understands to understand that there's something about God that He'll never tell you that you only see when you need to see them. I didn't know that God could provide. When I left the United States, I was promised that I I, I was given money to enroll in AUP. But I didn't know how I would pay for the next semester. But you know what? Semester after semester, God came through and he paid for me. You may be in a similar situation that you have started the course, that you have started the program and you have paid initially, but you don't know how it's going to come through again. Understand that God knows how he's going to make you come through that situation. You may not know how the business is going to flip, uh, 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 turn out. 
You may not know how things are going to fare out, but I want you to understand that Jesus has a way to make it fare out that you may not know and you do not need to know. That is why we are living from victory because God already knows the situation. He already knows how it's going to turn out and somebody today needs to live by that understanding. Somebody needs to embrace that situation and say, you know what, Lord, I will trust you when I don't know because there are things about you that I don't know and I'm going to allow that to elevate me. I'm going to allow that to prepare me in the moments when my faith is weak, in the moments when my faith, is, my faith is about to dim up, in the moments when I feel like I ain't got no energies again. Somebody talked to me the other day. It was my cousin. She said to me, Henry, you know, life is tiring. I said, what you mean, cuz? She said to me, life is tiring. And somebody is at that place that life is tiring. You're tired. But understand that even in your tiredness, there is a way that God can handle you. There is a way that God can lead you and direct you and move you in a certain direction. Simply understand that he sits on a horse. And that's all that matters. You see, when Jesus sits on a horse, it means that he's about to do battle. It means that he's about to conquer. But when Jesus sits on a horse, it means that the vultures are circling. You have seen it, haven't you? An animal is injured. An animal is wounded in the African plain. And even though the animal ain't dead, the vultures start circling. They start circling. Because they know it's only a matter of time before the animal is dead. So they start to circle. We have a similar situation in our text today. That the vultures start to circle. They start to circle. Watch this. In, in verse 17 and 18. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. He called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, that circle directly overhead. He called them. And, and this is what he said. Come gather for the great supper of God. To eat the flesh of kings, mm. the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. In this text, the vultures are circling. And you know why they're circling? Because he is sitting on a horse. Battle hasn't happened yet. The beast hasn't been uh, attacked yet. The woman hasn't been attacked yet. Babylon hasn't fallen yet. But yet the vultures are circling. Because as long as he is sitting on a horse, it means that there is a victory promised already. And so right here, Jesus, uh, through the angel, invites the vultures to come. He says, look, I'm about to defeat somebody. I'm about to take them out. So you better come because there is a feast. And I need somebody to understand that the, the, the vultures are already circling over your problems. Your problems are already defeated. It's only a matter of time before they are dead and that the vultures are going to start to eat. But the vultures are circling over the situation. Are we together? The vultures are circling over your disease. The vultures are circling 
over your lack of popularity. The vultures are circling over your bank account. Uh, the vultures are circling over your debt. The vultures are circling over your doubt because he sits on a horse because he is ready for battle because he's ready to fight it. And when you read the rest of this passage, what you discover is that we never really read about the battle. We never really read about what Jesus does to defeat uh, the, the enemy. We never read about it. All we see is that the, the enemy is captured. The enemy is put in chains because God doesn't need to bore us with how he fights. All you need to understand is that he wins the battle. So you don't need to understand how God is going to bring you out of this situation. Mm -hmm. You don't need to understand how God is going to resolve. Just know that it's going to be resolved. Just know that it's going to be sorted out. Just like that animal, uh, the, the, the vultures understand is going to die at some point. Your problem is going to die at some point. So trust God that he is going to sort it out and that he's going to resolve it. And so when Jesus is sitting on the horse, brother and sister, understand that he's about to take things out. He's about to resolve the situation. Perhaps you might tell me, Pastor, that was John who saw the vulture circling. That was John who saw that his problem was going to be resolved. But I don't see that. I haven't seen a vision in heaven. I haven't seen a horse seated. I haven't seen a man sitting on a horse and ready to attack. I haven't seen that. Well, well the, the, the reason why I'm telling you about it is because I want you to see it. Because John wrote it down so that in the moments when you didn't know what to do, in the moments when it looked lost, in the moments when you were flabbergasted, he wanted you to go back to Revelation 19, verse 11, and to read, And I saw heaven opened, and I saw a horse, and somebody sitting on the horse. He wants you to take that image into your experience because he didn't write it for himself alone. He wrote it for you and I. And so somebody today needs to look at Jesus seated on a horse and understand that he is ready to do battle for you and understand that he's going to conquer and understand that the vultures are already circling, that the victory is his. The victory is yours. And you need to trust the program of God this morning. I want to draw your attention to verse number 14 for a second. Because the text says something very interesting. It says, And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, we are following him on white horses. And the armies of heaven, they were also in fine linen, uh, white and pure. They were following him on white horses. This army of heaven represents angelic beings. And clearly right here, Jesus is in front and the angelic beings are, are behind him. He's the only one who is doing battle, but they are following him. Uh, we are not angelic beasts. We are not angelic beings. But I want to suggest that we need to take the cue of these angels. Uh, Jesus is seated on the horse. He is in front. What you and I need to do is to sit on the horse and follow him. We need to follow him. This is the crucial thing that you and I need to, to do. We need to follow him because we never need to go in front of him. He got the battle sorted out. 
You see, this horse, these angelic beings were seated on white horses and following Jesus. I'm not sure what horse you need to sit on today, uh, but you need to follow Jesus. For some of you, the horse will be trust and obedience. You need to trust that he's going to take care of you and you need to obey what he says. And somebody today needs to sit on the horse of obedience. For some of you, the horse will be making up your mind and getting away from that situation that you know is right. It's not right. For so, for some of you, is that horse of making tough decisions. For some of you, the horse is, I will follow you, Lord. I want to be baptized. I want to be committed to you. I want to live for you. For some of you, that horse is humility. For some of you, that horse is encouragement. For some of you, that horse is a faithfulness in giving back to God what needs to be given back to God. For some of you, that horse is cooperation and coordination with the people that you work with and the people in your family and in your in your house. That is the horse that you may need to sit on. I'm not sure what horse you need to sit on today, but Jesus is sitting on a horse. And the question is, are you following him, following him into battle, following him into victory, following him in the way that he leads? He is sitting on a horse, but are you sitting on yours? Are you ready to giddy up today? And I came to call somebody today to giddy up, get on a horse and start riding with Jesus. Start following Jesus. And if you can do that, brother and sister, you will live from victory. Every head is bowed. Every sort of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, we want to sit on our horses because Jesus is sitting on his. Father, we want to sit on our horses because Jesus is ready to ride. We want to sit on our horses because Jesus is ready to conquer. Please, Lord, show us the horse we need to sit on today. We trust, Father, that you're going to guide us and lead us. This will we pray, trusting and believing in the name of Jesus. Into your loving arms, Lord, we commit ourselves now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. There's something I love about the Word of God, and that is it always does something in our heart when we listen to it. And I bet that God has spoken to you in some, in some specific fashion or manner. Right now, I want to give an opportunity to respond. The number's on the screen. Reach out to us. We are on YouTube, on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is. We are right there. You can catch up and connect with us. And we'll be more than glad and happy to help you because we are here to help you. Uh, so that you can live the life that you need to live. And so do not waste another second to get in touch and to connect. And I believe that God is going to bless you. And once again, I want to implore you, if you want to connect and help this ministry to do what it is doing and to continue reaching other places and reaching other hearts, please donate at the account on the screen. May God bless you. And I'm going to see you very soon. Take care.